0: You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Avram Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. When this Shila came out about uh, 15 years ago, you could hear the question. Today, it's not such a question. Imagine 15 years ago, uh, or 20 years ago, and here comes a person, a poor person coming to collect tzedakah, and you give him. And then you hear the sound of a telephone, a telephone, which it wasn't like today where every single four-year-old has one already almost. And then you see, Oh, he's got a telephone. So in other words, in those days to, to own a, a phone, although in Israel was probably one of the countries that was on the cutting edge of everybody having a cell phone, well, let's assume 20, 20 years ago, uh, when it wasn't so common. I'm assuming 20 is probably a good date. It's hard to remember. It seems like we've had cell phones forever now. But uh, something tells me that about 20 years ago, not everybody had cell phones. And it was probably a sign, hey, the guy must have some money if he has a cell phone. So, Rav says like this. If a person comes to ask for Tzolka, you should really... Do some sort of research to see if he needs it or not. Um, Or, like it is, I don't remember if Elizabeth has it. I know that in Chicago they had it, and Oshila, you can speak to that, where people have uh, a special, like the the, uh, Aniyam who come to Chicago from Eretz Yisro, they need to get a special letter from uh, the Varatstokos that have checked out where they're from. For some reason, Elizabeth, I think when I first came here, had it. I don't think they have it anymore, uh, where you have a letter. Just people just show up. So um, that is not a bad thing, Reb says. Now, if a person comes and says to you, this is Aloha and Yeridea. Many people don't know that. If a person, and, and, and you see this, of course, on the highway. But let's say a person comes to your house and says, I'm hungry. Do you have food for me? So the Allah shulchan is you give him b'li bedika. You give him food without checking him out. Um, even though he might be lying. If he asks for clothing or for some other thing, then you don't have to give it to him without knowing. So money's different than food? Right. So if he's asking for food, so and then you don't check them out. The person comes and says, I'm hungry. You give them what you have in the fridge, even though that's worth a lot of money, possibly. Food, you don't take any chances with. Hmm, Is this all human beings or hidden? These are Jews. Or okay. okay. Now, what about um, poor people that are collecting money by the Koso? Or people who in shuls or chasanas or in the street? And again, Rebel Aviner said it's the same aloha from Yeridea that if he's asked, he says, if he says, I need food, you give him food. If he says he needs stuff for clothing, then you see, is he a Ramai or not? That's aloha in Yeridea. So he's not asking for him food. You don't know who he is. The halacha is you have no chiv to give people tzedakah if you don't know who they are. Now, that doesn't mean that you should just say, get out of here. Clearly, you don't have to give him, but you have to treat the person with the respect of being a human being. And you have to treat him with normal dignity. But Rav Aviner went to Rav Yosef, and Rav Yoshev says, Rabbi Yashub said, the people that are out there collecting in the street, they're a chazoka. Listen to Rabbi Yashub's There's a chazoka that they're not on and there's no mitzvah pstoke to give them. Oh. Let me respond on the iPhone thing. I, I think iPhones have, you know, there's, there's, there's countries in the poorest countries in Africa, and many of the people who are living in huts have iPhones. Um. So there's something about uh, the iPhone is is no longer Doctor Kogan, I believe. Symbol. Oh, they must have money. But you know, I, I think Rebel no, no, Yosheb. To... I, I I have to disagree because that means it's a plan that has to be paid monthly. And that the cheapest iPhone is it's more expensive than most other phones. So you think that you think that we, I don't know what to. Do. I, really, I don't have an opinion. Sorry. <laughs> uh huh here. Okay. Well, it's hard for me to know. I I, I, I will say, you know, that it, 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 this psak to me, was a chiddish. Now, it's one thing to say they're suffolk. It's another thing to say they probably are not. In other words, it's another thing to say that most of the people out on the street, at the Koso, are not, are, are, that are in these public places, you can assume they're not EM and you don't have to give them stock unless you happen to know them. That is, is, is a chiddish. Um they asked Rav Avinir the following question. Um, he says, we have a group of three. And we have a, um, a, 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 a it's a Karen. <speaking> in <Hebrew> so in other words, basically what we're trying to do is raise money for their community. Um, and because uh, they want to, you know, for the public works, to make the community better. And it has to do with the, with shoals and with uh, schools and with uh, things that don't necessarily have to do with, with Torah. Now, in order to, uh, this, they, this is their full-time job. They need to call people up and try to collect for the sake of the community. So they determined that 10% of whatever they raise, they can keep. They wanted to know what Rav was. Was that ethical? Was that halachically proper? That you are making calls. Let's say it might be a city of, you know, fifty thousand people. We don't know how big the issue is, so I'm not sure how much money they're going to be raising. But it's but they're going to be of everything they raise, ten percent will go to them. Um. Now. rav aviner said that if you if your job is to is to work for the sake of the tzibur you are able to collect a salary from that um, in fact anytime you do a tova for someone you could ask and we talked about Sh- shadchanis and other things but any time you do a great tova for someone that cost you something your your time and effort you're allowed to ask money for it Now, obviously, if you live like a super idealist, then you should be collecting tzedakah for no... You should be a gabbai tzedakah and not take anything. But if no one gets paid, no one's going to be working the phones, and no one's going to be putting their energy in it. So it's definitely mutter to collect, to get money for it. And the minute is to take a percentage in other words, instead of saying a salary straight up, a percentage of what you collect, even though it seems like, oh, you're taking from Sudoka money and putting it in your pocket, that is the minug. And not only did Rav Avinar say it, Rav Vosner says that's the minug of all these Sudoka outfits, is that a certain And I'm going to say to you, 10% sounds low. <laughs> My feeling is, is that these the people. Who are part of that? They take close to fifteen or twenty percent. That, That—that's what I think uh, is probably more uh, realistic. twenty-five percent. You think so? Yeah. I know so. Yeah. So um, now, um, now, what about the question of a woman being the is tzedaka? Now, it would seem to be a beautiful thing. Why not? Why can't the woman be a Gabbai? Sir Baviner says it's not so simple. Because we know, based on the Rambam, women are not supposed to have positions of authority. And a Gabbai literally means to lift up, to pick this up and say, okay, you're not paying? We know what you make. I'm being govet." However, he says, that's only again, it's only when the Gabbai is... Appointed by the community and say, "Look, we know what you owe. Either hand it over uh, peacefully, or we're coming in and getting it." But if if um, the way it's done today, the term gabei is really not the same thing, and therefore the people don't really have to pay. So therefore, uh, today calling a woman a gabei stuck is really not a problem. Um. There was a question of a uh, a person came to Rabbi Yoshev. I'm sorry, to Rav uh and um, they were gayrim. Um, they were converts, and they had family in India that had not yet con- that had, that weren't converting. So the question was: uh, Now they became religious. They became part of the Jewish people, and they're keeping Torah and mitzvot. And we know one of the things that is, is, to, is to dedicate 10% of, of, of Maser for tzedakah. So could they give of that 10% to their family back in India, who are, who are obviously still very poor? Or is it better now that they're Jews to find Jewish people to give the tzedakah to? So again, the family has not converted and they're living in India. And, and then there's the Jews in Israel who obviously need the money. So who, would, who gets the tzedakah in that case? That was the question that Rabbi Viner was dealing with. So he says, if you look at Shulchan Aruch, it says that uh, the non-Jews are supposed to get tzedakah because of Darke Shalom. Um, which means what? So the Ramos says it doesn't, it means that they line up together with the Jews. goyim <speaking in> yehudim. <Hebrew> in other words, they're in the line together. There's Jews and non-Jews in the line. And if you would say, well, I'm only going to give to a Jew, that's going to be tough because then there's going to be a riot on your hands. But they're not together though, the Ramos says. If the and agoyim are separate, then you don't necessarily have to give to the guy, because you have excuses. The Rambam says, <laughs> in other words, if it's right in front of them, hmm, how come you're not giving to me? That's darkei shola Now, that's what the Ramo says. The Bach writes that it's mut, it's not. It, it, you might not be have to do it. Um. But you should do it still, even if there aren't any uh, Jews around. So the Ramah seems to assume that unless there's a threat of a pogrom, you shouldn't be giving money away to Goyim. Whereas the Bach says, and that's the sheet of the Taz and the Shach as well, his son-in-law, the Taz, that you are allowed to do it. So what does Darke Sholom mean, Rav Aviner says? It doesn't mean because there's going to be a riot. Because there's something about helping everyone. Dark Shalom doesn't mean, uh-oh, this is bad PR. No, Dark Shalom means there's a, a, a positive ideal to help anyone, no matter who he is, in a difficult situation. In fact, the Rambam, when he talks about giving Tzedakah to Goyim, says it's based on the Pesach, Toi V'Hashem Lakov rachamav Al Kol so that sounds like the Bach and the Taz. So that means it's not a problem giving Goyim, tzedakah to Goyim. Now, okay, so now, who you're supposed to give it, so again, who you're supposed to be giving it to. Now, they're your family. Are they your family? Sir says, well, pi they're not your family anymore because you because you've converted. However, we know that um, even a person who converts is supposed to keep up a civil relationship with his relatives who are not Jewish, who are in the family, because you don't want there to be this principle that because you converted, you somehow are not keeping up with the normal expectations of family of family support. So therefore, um, Rav Avinir says, he thinks it's a positive thing to send them food packages and money that they could use to buy their necessities. But um, And therefore, he says, you are able, it's a chiddush, to say that I hereby dedicate uh, the Maeser Ksofin to the family, even though I would assume the people who asked this question were in Eretz And even though there were on Nehemi and Eretz Yisro that you could say needed it more, Rabbi Vinayar was willing to say to give the money to the relatives back in India uh, based on the Rambam and the idea that a full Hashem that might really result... In other words, can you imagine that the relatives over there would say, oh, we have these Jew rel- they became Jewish and they've got jobs in Tel Aviv and wherever you are, and they're not sending us anything. So I think that they're, you know, and maybe they know about it, maybe they don't know about it, but it sounds like Rabbi Viner is, 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 is although he doesn't say Chil Hashem, sounds like he feels that would be um, uh, the positive thing to do. Um, the uh, and as we know, the Rambam says that the Pusik says, which means um, you give your brother first. And we also say the people in your town is first. And of course, the Ramaz says that the people in your town means your relatives first. And the truth is your neighbors or before other people in the town. So people who live down the street from you, many people don't know that. Right? Many people don't know that, but the people who live down the street are would be a bigger dinstaka than someone else in the city. Again, it's in the Ramah, in Hilchah Let's read it. Krovim kodim l'shchenov, shchenov l'anshe Now, does that mean the person who's right next door is a bigger tzadoka than the person four doors down? I don't know if that's true. And maybe Shechem means, like, let's say those of you here who are in Elizabeth, uh, the whole Elmora area. But would we say Elmora area comes before Hillside? I would say yes, right? I would say those are two communities. Would, would I say, um, the Omora Hills area comes before the area, like on the other side of the JEC. I don't know. I'm not sure if that's called the, the Shkuna. You know, it's it's hard to know where the Shkuna ends and begins. So, this is a tricky, a little tricky halacha here, if there's a question of one or the other. Um, so, I think this is something that... Uh, people don't really know about, but I think it's, it's important to, to recognize. Um, Let's talk about, uh, one last thing we talk you know, Hanukkah, we talk about the importance of, not only giving tzakka, but to strengthen children in learning Torah and strengthen the B'nai Torah. Um, what about, he says, if a father, um, is sending, and I guess, I guess it does cost money uh, for his son to learn in Hester. Hester um, money comes from the, the tuition to send my kid to that yeshiva. So Rav Avinir says, you can definitely uh, consider the monies that go uh, to the yeshiva as part of your Miser. because you can definitely not. It's not just to, for poor people. To support Torah is also tzedakah. Now, you then you go with the logic. Which yeshiva should I support? So, <laughs> I have more of a connection to the yeshiva that my son is learning it, <laughs> even though it's technically um, the quote unquote tuition for the yeshiva. But since giving money to schools is a form of tzedakah, of, of strengthening Torah, and it counts like tzedakah, it has a significance like tzedakah as well. Maybe even stronger in some way than tzedakah, it depends. So there, you can definitely take your miser money and, 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 and earmark it for a yeshiva. So your children's yeshiva is like the ani who's in your city. And the truth is, my father Shul, used to say this all the time. He says, I'm supporting my son who's in yeshiva, <laughs> because my son is an ani. he has no money. <laughs> now, Rev. Vinair says, if the parents are wealthy, then that they shouldn't say, well, I pay for tuition for my kids in yeshiva, that's enough. Um Because if that would be the case, we know that every family uh, spends more than, especially in America. In America, I would say it's close to, Moshe, you can back me up on this 40% maybe. You know, when you have your kids in school, 40 or 50%. People in the the outside world don't even believe it's possible. Like when I was talking to my machutin about the amount of money that, that it costs. To send uh, kids for tuition here. He couldn't believe, he didn't even believe what I was saying. But, but, and Eric's is true, I think about 10%. But if it turns out that everybody just says, you know what my tzedakah is, supporting the schools that my kids go to, he says, then what happened is no, the Aniyam wouldn't get anything. Um, so obviously, if, if, if people that have the money, should also give money to other causes. But Aviner says, Minadin, you can definitely look at the amount of money that you spend for your children to be studying as of Um. Now, what about the fact that it isn't just about the Torah? What about the fact that what goes into a tuition, Rav Avinir says, is a markiv shall skar wimudim she meshalimu yeshiva lo avur umudiy hakodesh el avur haachzaka v'ri'im atalmero yibbaayas horav aytzri chomotzi lotziel shtiya and levia l'chares mashachuschem ke eshel begal hedoram and abayas ein so now the question is, what about it's not about the pure Torah part? It's for the dormitory, it's for, right? Is that considered Skar limud? I understand, can't you divide it? Like, if the kid would be home, so when you're paying for the dorm, that's like, look, if your kid would be home, it would cost you money for his room. Uh, you'd have to keep the heat on over there. If he was home, you'd have to feed him. So, pay the yeshiva because the yeshiva is feeding him and putting him in a room. So, maybe that doesn't count as supporting Torah because that's really, in a way, paying them back for what they are saving you. That might, maybe that doesn't have a din, right? So, when you look at the yeshiva's total tuition package. A lot of it, especially if you go to YU or some of these places, they break it down. They say, okay, here's what the dorm costs. Here's, and here's what the courses cost. Here's what the Torah part costs. So the Chorah, only the support of the Torah would seemingly be part of what you could call Meiser money for Tztaka. Um, so that. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast.